everyone. My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 86 of the show, where we are going into the spring of 1965. It's March. The, uh, the, the, the snow has melted. The, the, the leaves are starting to, starting to sprout again. There's flowers and everyone's sneezing and their eyes are puffy and watery. And we've got three comics to come at you tonight. I feel like there's a pun somewhere in episode 86, like let's 86 these or, or something, but. And that's the uh, end of the series. The A series has been. <laughs> <laughs> let's 86 the series or let's decide these three comics are horrible and 86 them. I guess we'll find out soon. No spoilers. Uh, we, we, we ha- we've had a few yeah. people who like tell us that we give them serious anxiety when we joke about ending the show. Yeah. Because like they really, really don't want us to go anywhere. So we're still here. We're not actually we're still going here. anywhere. I'm definitely not going anywhere. Before 100, because that's just ridiculous. We're too close now. Right. Gotta Although, got to keep going. I need to talk to you off the air, because I've had a different idea about what to do with the 100. Maybe not forever, maybe something else. We'll talk about it off the air, though. Okay. Okay. We'll do um, a breakup episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, X-Men number 11 is tonight, right? Kicking it the off? X-Men 11 with what, the Stranger. What, stranger Danger. What uh, on sale date do we got for that? March 4th, actually. March 4th. Okay. And I get it, though. So I should have known that answer, but I didn't. Um, it's called The Triumph of Magneto. Okay. This is really weird. It's got The Stranger on the cover. It's called Introducing the Stranger, but it's the tiniest caption in the world for a cover, Introducing the Stranger. It should have mm-hmm. been like way big, I think. That's just kind of weird. And it's like this uh, – is that like a photorealistic building or does it just look like that? I think or, it's just a really carefully drawn building, maybe drawn over a photo, but just def- carefully drawn. Yeah, and it's all gray and kind of like those photorealistic planet pictures in Fantastic Four and stuff. And yeah, then honestly, it's got, the like, details of the building are kind of washed out because of the gray. Like you can't tell all the beautiful yeah. line work going on there. Yeah, and then it seems like it's almost like there's stickers. You put they put the the X Men on stickers to to put them on the street. And <laughs> then they, the, they call those chloroforms. And then one, one of the kids screwed up and put the stranger just kind of stuck over top of them. Um, it reminds me like of those it's, old it's from books. a different set, so it's a different scale. Yeah. And anyway, he's not that dynamic, and it's weird. And then you open the page, and it says the Triumph of Magneto, which is not the stranger. So interesting, but it also, also says. It's also a really important issue for Scarlet Witch, and she's nowhere in the title or the cover. Uh, right. And it says, introducing the new startling, staggering menace of The Stranger. Um, extraordinary script by Stan Lee, extravagant art by Jack Kirby, exceptional inking by Shikstone, and exemplary lettering by Artie C. Mech. So, you know how, like, they still haven't quite hammered out how Cerebro works? Well, we're getting new stuff about Cerebro that still is weird and they'll never do again, I don't think. But Cerebro now projects onto a screen when it is alerting them about stuff. So all the X-Men are rushing in. We still have Cyclops not in costume. He sticks in his like the green the green suit. But unlike before, we now have Professor X back. So he's also there and he seems to be leading the show again, kind of, even though Cyclops is still dressed like he's leading the show. So I'm not really sure. But anyway, they're projecting this new powerful mutant on the screen, except something makes the energy backfire and the screen not work. And everybody's like, oh, my God, that means he's the most powerful mutant in the entire world to be able to do that. So after some shenanigans with, you know, fighting between Beast and Iceman who are trying to be like Thing and Human Torch, uh, Professor X sends them to go find this really powerful mutant. We cut to this really powerful guy. He's like just a normal looking dude, except he's got like a Chia Pet hair but it's white (laughs) 
and he's got like chia pet eyebrows and like a what a, I don't know what it's called. It's not a goatee, but when it's just chin whiskers, you know. Right. Oh, but he does have like he does have those really long, uh, thin mustachio thing too. Anyway, he's dumb looking, and he uh, is living in an apartment. And this lady goes, "You owe me rent." He's like, "Oh yes, you Earthlings and your money, or something, or you know, you people and your money." And he just pulls out a wad that looks like magically out of nowhere, and she's all excited. Then he decides to walk through the city, but he can't be bothered to be you know, stuck in crowds. So he just walks above them. And then he's shocked that everybody's shocked that he can do that. So he goes into a building. By that, I mean like Kitty Pride style. He phases through into this building. Now, he says he's drawn to this building, but it doesn't really explain how or why. But he's not wrong because the Brotherhood of Mutants are there waiting for him. And Magneto's like, hello, welcome. Um, Meanwhile, we cut to the X-Men who are flying around... Well, Angel's flying around looking for this new person. Uh, Cyclops in civvies is on the ground looking for a new person. The cops are trying to investigate this, uh, you know, report that a dude was walking around in the air and phased through a building. And they see Cyclops and they're like, hey, you're wearing sunglasses. There must be something wrong with you. Let's see. You're probably related to this report. And Cyclops is like, no, don't take my sunglasses off. But they do. And so he starts shooting lasers at everything, and that scares them. But the Beast manages to grab his glasses and grab Cyclops and jumps him from building to building until they re- you know, reconnoiter with uh, Iceman and Angel and Jean Grey. So all that was fun. Meanwhile, back at uh, – the Brotherhood, Magneto is showing off why people should join him by wrapping the dude around with magnetic stuff. And then Mastermind is showing why people should join them by making him think he's underwater, you know, illusions of him being underwater or in hell and all this stuff. And the stranger is just like, okay, you guys are getting annoying. So he like sh- just for no- out of nothing basically just shoots a bunch of energy out of his body. It makes all the metal, you know, blow up and explode and – um Somehow it also turns the – he somehow turns Mastermind into like a statue and Mastermind now is heavy and he falls through the floor. They're in a hotel or something. He falls through the floor into the store below. So then some guy goes, oh my gosh, help me, police, police. And the X-Men hear that. So they go rushing over and they see there's a big hole where you know everything exploded because of the stranger. And they confront the stranger and they also confront the Brotherhood because they're shocked to find them there. So all of a sudden, everybody's fighting. Angel versus Quicksilver. Uh, Iceman, like, this is kind of important, actually. Ice is over Quicksilver to the point where, like, maybe not in a good way, he's going to die. So that, of course, freaks out Scarlet Witch. Um, they get into this big fight. But Stranger's like, you know, I don't really care about this fighting business. I'm going to leave. And Magneto's like, no, you can't leave unless you join us. And he's like, okay, listen, I'm leaving, but you can come with me if you want. And he creates like this weird cyclone tornado thing. And he pulls Toad and Magneto in and they disappear. And the X-Men are like, what the heck? That's crazy. Um, meanwhile... Oh, so then they're fighting the Scarlet Witch because she's going crazy because they hurt her brother. Um, But finally, they kind of realize, you know, if we just save your brother, you'll be cool, right? So Cyclops, like, blasts the ice off of um, Quicksilver. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are like, you know what? This whole, like, we owe him thing, enough is enough. We've been doing this for, what, 11 issues now? And he's just getting worse and worse. So as your brother, actually, I think it's my turn to make a decision. We are leaving. And the X-Men are like, wait, before you leave, why don't you join us? You could be good mutants with us. He's like, no, we're sick of all this action. We're out of here. So they take off. Uh, Meanwhile, the stranger, Magneto, and 
Toad teleport to like a forest or something or a wooded area. Um, and Magneto's like, listen, you need to obey me because I'm way super awesome and powerful. And Stranger's like, okay, I'm getting tired of you. So he's he grows super big and he he coats him with some like anti-magnetic uh, filmy white stuff. I don't really know exactly what it is, but it renders them both useless. It's like sticky, weird stuff. Uh, meanwhile, back at the lab, or back, Professor X uh, is investigating uh, a mastermind being a stone. Apparently, he's still alive in there. They can hear him in a te- with a stethoscope. Um, um, I can't remember how, but somehow they figure out that they're in the wooden area. And so they all they all go there, including Professor X. They find Magneto and Toad all wrapped up. They try and free him, but the stuff gives them feedback and almost knocks them out. The stranger's there, and he's like, listen, I'm actually – not a mutant. I'm just not from around here. And I was actually assigned to come here and find mutants, to find the most powerful mutants. And it turns out I found this guy. His name is Magneto. And since I already have him wrapped up, I'm just going to take him with me. So suddenly he turns into this energetic being or whatever. And he, Toad, and Magneto, or he, Toad, and Magneto all fly, all fly into space and are gone forever. And the X-Men are kind of like shocked that suddenly this guy went from being a powerful mutant to not a mutant at all, this like this star child from space. And not only that, they're kind of, uh, um, I don't know, I don't know if they're amused, but they're like commenting on the fact that Magneto sort of just threw himself under the bus by showing off how powerful he was to this guy because that's what the guy was looking for. So now he's grabbed and according to the X-Men, they'll never see Magneto again. And maybe that was the intention to never see Magneto again. I don't know. We'll talk about that in a second. But anyway, the cops show up, try and rest them. They jump into their X-Men helicopter and fly home. And then they update Cerebro because... Uh, Professor X just puts little sticky things on on the Cerebro console yeah, just, with their little sticky notes with their name. So he took he took takes Toad and Magneto and Mastermind off the sticky notes thing, and they're all like, "Well, that was a cool adventure." But before it's over, the last three panels suddenly Cerebro is beeping like crazy, and Professor X is alarmed at how loud the alarm is. And oh my gosh, what could it be? The end. Dun dun dun. So that was a little strange, don't you think? <laughs> a strange tale of the X-Men? Yeah. So I know the stranger not at all, except my official handbook of the Marvel Universe readings. I definitely recognize him from that, but he wore like this cool, not cool actually, just rememberable like, tunic yeah, with a green, green tape. Outfit thing. Yeah, red and green outfit thing. And he's not doing that here, but I've heard of the stranger yeah, I, I first time I read this, I had remembered him from the Infinity War. Uh, okay, he's kind of in the crowd of cosmic beings who are trying to decide what to do. Right. Uh, so this yeah. is the first truly cosmic being of the Marvel universe that we get to meet. Oh, is the Watcher a cosmic being? Okay, okay, you're right. There's the Watcher. He's a cosmic being. So yeah. second, never mind. He's second. not the first. The first villain. Well, is he a villain? I guess he's not really a villain. Well, he's kidnapping people, but. Well, he's like he's like he's lawful kind of evil, maybe, or yeah. or, or chaotic he's, neutral or something. He's he's just doing whatever he wants to do. He doesn't really care about human interests. No, he's above our petty uh, problems and and drama. He just wants to get his job done and go home. We're right. like ants to him, essentially. He's uh, a bit on Galactus's level, a bit on Eternity's Infinity's level. He's just kind of out there on a universal cosmic stage, living his life, um, being strange, and he's like. I'm just a stranger. But it's funny. I read these kind of stories and like 
you know, you're thinking you're in your head because these characters last forever. And so in your head, you have this timeline of basically what has happened with Magneto and stuff. And these kind of stories do not pop into those timelines. <laughs> oh, remember that one time, Magneto, you were kidnapped by a cosmic being because he was looking for a powerful mutant to take home to mommy. Right. It's like, yeah, they're not going to flash back to this one very often. I don't think. This does last for a little while. Well, I, I, not really that long, actually. He's he's back before too many issues. I can I can think of when he comes back. And it's about as long since he was last around. So four or five issues. Um, I wonder if they were trying, if they wanted him to be gone forever, though, or if that was the plan to bring him back. Yeah, I don't know. Jack Kirby's not going to be on this book for that much longer, so I'm not really sure what might have been the plan. Because some other artist decided, hey, let's bring back Magneto. I feel like more than any other books we have, like the Brotherhood, they really hold on to. Mm -hmm. I I know we've had other X Men villains, but even when we have X Men, other X Men villains like Blob or something, like the Brotherhood's still around, sniffing around. Right. So I'm, I'm wondering if they're just trying to write out Magneto so that they have to come up with something else because they're getting tired of him. <laughs> you know? You must use Magneto. Yes. He's he's pretty constant. But not anymore. Gone. Uh, Professor X seems to be leading again, even though he said they graduated and he didn't. they didn't need him anymore. But I guess he's back doing the leading thing. Yeah. Um not in the field so much, but he's still basically running them at the at the house, like in charge of everything. I mean, whenever he left to go investigate Lucifer, he was gone. And so Scott really was truly leading mm-hmm. the school. And now he's back. Yeah, I'm here doing my thing. Yeah, he didn't go with them to confront Stranger in the city, but he did end up in the mm-hmm. woods with them in the end. So 50-50, he's going to show up with them? I don't know. That radar image beam at the beginning, the the visuals of it. Do you th- wonder if this idea is being spun out of the uh, the refinements in Daredevil's power concepts? Like they're playing with the idea of radar image stuff. So like, hey, let's use that over here too. Could be. It's not a horrible idea because you could you could use it to visualize your enemy before you go out there. And I I guess at some point we'll have that when he just uses it as a telepathic device, but. Yeah, the, the problem is distance, because like radar does give shape. You have to be close enough for the bounce backs to give some definition. The, the, if they're, you know, so many miles from the stranger, then you're just going to get like a vague blip coming back from radar. Also, it seems like it only, it just picks up people with powers more than it picks up mutants. Right. So that's it just like radar. That seems like yeah, something else. That, that, that may need to be refined a little bit in the Marvel Universe, because you're going to be wasting a lot of time. So Magneto shows up to invite the stranger to come be part of the crew. Okay, so that and part was, that part was kind of weird. Like he says something like, "I'm being pulled into this building." And initially, when I read that, I thought, "Well, what does that mean?" Magneto and his group pulled him in because they seem all ready to greet him. But now I'm thinking it's he's pulled because he's attracted to a powerful mutant, and that's his mission here. But they also are waiting to greet him. So do they have their own cerebro device or something? Or well, Magneto, I don't know. He was. He was tuned into Namor as if he were a possible yeah. mutant. Yeah, I don't know. True. Magneto's ability to be involved in the plot whenever there's another mutant <laughs> or potential mutant is, seems to be a bit uncanny. Yeah. They should just write him out of this. Oh, they yeah, did. Yeah, just, 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 oh, wait, yeah. Oh, too soon. Yeah. So they address the notion of Scott Summers as eye beams because he, mm-hmm. he has his eyes and they take off his glasses. And as I was just like, oh my gosh, the eyes are blasting everything. Watch out, you're going to die. Yeah. Um, and they address it by saying that if he keeps his eyes closed, 
even then some of the power ray seeps uh-huh. through. Right. I think they're going to abandon that idea later because closing his eyes definitely becomes an effective means of stopping them. It's only when his glasses get pulled off unexpectedly that there's a problem. Yeah, and you could headcanon that to mean that maybe after all this training on some level he can control it. Right. Like maybe initially he was so raw that even closing his eyes didn't work, but now he can at least hold it back if he closes his eyes. Um, He also doesn't have the red ruby cortex situation going on it says something like his glasses are specially coated but doesn't say with what special treated his glasses are just dark lenses they don't i don't know what they are but they're not the ruby quartz yet you're right no but it does say they're specially treated so there's some sort of magical sun or you know sunglasses that he has to wear right and with the red cons they are ruby quartz because he gets his first ruby quartz when he's in the orphanage they're just not colored that way yet but yeah so he's got special sunglasses they do stop the beams um Bobby but, is able to catch a. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just thinking. I was trying to think. Do they are they mean to him because he's a mutant? I don't think they are. I'm still looking for that. Like you know, they, we have we got that with the beast where everybody you know uh, uh, went crazy on him when they figured out he was a mutant. But mm-hmm. are they doing that to the uh, everybody yet? I don't think that these. I think these cops are just more shocked that he had powers and then he got away. Yeah, there was a guy walking on air, and there's a guy in like. I am wearing disguise clothes, heavy coat, hat, and sunglasses. Uh huh. And they're like, "Why? Why? Why are you here? We need to see your face." Yeah. Oh, my cursed, cursed eyes. Yeah. So Gene uh. says to Bobby, "Bobby, ever since you stopped your cl- childish hijinks, you become positively masterful with your eyes power." And I'm like, "Okay, when did Bobby stop clowning around?" Because um, <laughs> he's still clowning a little. Yeah, he clowns with the beast. Or is Gene using some sort of like psychological reinforcement on him? He is getting very good at his uh, stuff, though, because initially he was just like a snowball guy throwing snowballs. Now he's like creating all these cool, you know, cylinders and slides and stairs. Don't forget the not ice cream. And the not ice cream, right? The sugarless ice that he thinks yeah, is the, ice the cream. Yeah, the frost. Yeah. I'm going to scrape some frost off your car and call it uh, ice cream. I love this scene because – First of all, because just Magneto's the worst. But I love this scene where, like, his idea of recruitment is to wrap this dude in metal, and then Mastermind is doing these cool, like, <laughs> these cool, like, ways to torture his torture him mentally. But what I love is the last panel on that page eight, where he, the stranger just gives them this look, like, "Okay, I'm done with this." And the next you page is just it's just them being destroyed. <laughs> that was awesome. Screw all you guys. <laughs> yeah. And Mastermind looks so skeezy in that. Like, Jack Kirby draws an ugly, skeezy Mastermind. Yeah. It's weird that Mastermind hasn't done a lot because his power is actually pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. I mean, of the of the Brotherhood, um, as far as just, like, ways to use your power, I would rank him above Magneto. Yeah. Magneto is more masterful and more powerful, you know, because he it's used all the time. But think about Mastermind can change your entire reality and bend you to his will. But he hasn't, as far as I can remember. I don't really remember any awesome Mastermind moments yet. You know, he's just there. Well, no, not not yet. Not yet. No, Mastermind, I know he does. Yeah. Yeah. Right now he just hits on Scarlet Witch inappropriately and, and mm-hmm. Quicksilver hates him. But that's it. So that's kind of weird. Yeah. And now he's gone forever. That's because he doesn't shower regularly. Look at that hair. That has not been washed in like three weeks. <laughs> also, why wouldn't he make himself look better all the time? That's kind of weird. Anyway. Well, he, he gets that idea later too. Yeah. Took him long enough. <laughs> so there is debate over whether Scott's beams are heat or force-based. Uh-huh. Uh, Gail Simone on Twitter is famous about trolling this whole idea. 
I always thought it was uh, forced. Yeah, in the original concept, they are concussive force beams. Uh-huh. And there's that bit where Pietro is covered in ice, and oh. Cyclops is basically chiseling the ice off of him uh-huh. with his eyes, which seems kind of dangerous, if you ask me. But I have been practicing in the danger room for two years, so I don't know what I'm talking about. I guess unlike the Human Torch, Bobby can't control the ice once it's out there. Like, Human Torch could just disintegrate heat if he wanted to. You know, yeah, he can control the concept of flay, whereas Bobby's just making ice and then it's ice after and that. And then it's ice. He can't disintegrate the stair after he makes it, I guess. Right. Anyway. Um, okay, so the, big, big moment for your girl. Yeah. At first, you wonder if she's going to have a very big role because she's just kind of there and she only gets invested whenever Pietro gets iced up. She's like, oh my gosh, don't touch my brother. But then, like, they're done with Magneto and they've been done with Magneto. And the last time we saw them, they were looking at reaching out to the super powered community of other people and saying, Hey, and then they went back to Magneto because the torch and the thing were like bumblers. Uh And now they're, they're done. They don't want to join the X-Men though, because I think it's kind of interesting. Their exposures to mutant culture are wars, mutant wars. Right. And they do not want that so they're just gonna go off and be on their own instead well what else is interesting to me is that even though i think scarlet witch starts the topic of not serving magneto anymore when scott says why don't you guys join us it's not scarlet witch that says no she actually thinks he has some words of you know she says ring of truth to his words or whatever but it's it's uh quicksilver who finally is like okay i'm not following you anymore (laughs) i'm the older brother you're listening to me. We are done with fighting. Let's just get out of here. She's like, okay, fine. Because you which followed bring, me long enough. <laughs> which brings up an interesting side point. We have not been told yet that they are twins. And he says, I'm the older brother. Oh, well, by three minutes, maybe. Yeah, yeah. We can retcon it that he is the firstborn of the twins. But at this point, maybe he is a year or two older. Then she, she, it's and she know. probably, sadly, probably comes from some culture where you know you're supposed to listen to the man over the woman anyway. So, if he really wanted he, to put his foot down, but that also tells you that he could have put his foot down this entire time and didn't because he loves his sister and wanted to you know go along mm-hmm. with whatever she was doing, even though it was bad and he knew it. He's known he wanted to leave a long longer than she has. Yeah, so I don't think I don't think his assertion of authority, if you want to call it that, I don't think it's based in misogyny. I think it's based in. You know, arrogance because he's older. He's uh-huh. and he's kind of fed up. He's kind yeah. of fed up with doing what Magneto wants. So whenever she starts to listen to Scott, he's like, oh, "Wait, wait, wait, wait." Yeah. No, we talked about this. We're not going to go join the X Men. <laughs> I, I think he's just cashing in chips that he's earned by following her this entire time. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, listen, we already did this whole thing once with you. Let me, let's try my method now and get the heck out of here. And they basically walk out of the comic on page fifteen, and they walk out of the whole series. It's a nice. Uh. It's a nice denouement to the story of the mutant siblings, and I don't think readers realize they would be back only a week later. I still want to know behind the scenes, like, why they decided to not have them join the X-Men, because it seems like such a Mm no-brainer. You know, 11 issues of us watching them suffer with Magneto, it's like, of course they're going to join the X-Men, right? I mean, we knew they weren't, because we already knew, but if you were reading this back then, that's what you would think. Right. And then they don't. It's kind of crazy. Well, you've... You've you've got this story that isn't really about Magneto. It's about the stranger, uh-huh. but it does kind of shuttle off the brotherhood out of the comic. Yeah. 
but they already had been like unofficially shuttled off. Like we haven't seen the Brotherhood in in several issues. So, um, you know, they're making the X Men the they're making the Avengers sixteen this same month, and so maybe they're like, "What are we going to do for the X Men?" Well, let's we we're, we decided we we're going to change the roster up. Let's let's give let's give the um, the mutant siblings a, a swan song. Yeah, I mean it's cool. I do think it's cool they're Avengers, but I I've just always wondered like it just seems like they're setting it up for them to become good mutants, not Avengers. Yeah, but. and Quicksilver will have associations with the X teams. I don't and think Scarlet Witch ever does. I was going to say, yeah, she's never been an X-Man, has she? But no, he's when- been an X-Factor and X-Force. Quicksilver has? Huh. Yeah. He's been an X-Factor. I think he's been an X-Force. Definitely X-Factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the second wave, right? With with uh, Madrox, the multiple man and all that. Crap. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the government-led team, not the original five back together right. team. Right, right. Um, and I don't know. The rest is just kind of cool. Like Stranger just... Shows off that he's a stranger, and everybody's just like, I love that panel on page 19 because that's pretty much what your face should be. Like, wow, that was weird and random. Well, I kind of liked how, you know, Magneto, he likes to say, I am power. And, and you know, whenever mm-hmm. Magneto's in the room, usually he's the strongest guy in the room, but he's basically dealing with a god and he has no control. Yeah. And at the same time, that kind of shot him in the foot because he basically pointed out that he is very powerful and that's what Stranger wanted to take. So yeah, if, he, if yeah. he just shut up about himself, then maybe Stranger would never even have taken him. But um, the, the Stranger does refer to the Toad as touching. He's like, the one who calls himself Magneto insists that I ally myself with him. And so I choose to take him and the other whose loyalty is so touching. Yeah. And it's like touching or sickeningly sycophantic. <laughs> it's hard to tell sometimes. Or horribly sure sad. Which it is. Right. Yeah. yeah. Pathetic, maybe. Yeah, yeah. What's the what we gotta we gotta get the Toad miniseries and figure out how he turned out like that? But <laughs> the Toad there must be one origin story. There must X-Men be something. origins Toad. <laughs> there must be something, right? He must have a childhood or something. Maybe. Uh, um. Okay. Our primary menace in this book is now gone, and they basically say that uh-huh. page nineteen. Yeah. The first panel. Magneto's gone at long last, and. Cyclops is like, okay, does that mean the series is over? Xavier's like, no, 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 no. Right. We can still be X. We can still put out X Men issues for at least oh. fifty five more of these things. Well, maybe that's why on page twenty they end it with a big thread again, just so we all know that it's not over. Right. Because be really, right. like I said, like the X Men and the Brotherhood are have been pretty much a constant since we started this series, and that's way different than the Fantastic Four or Avengers, who have. Well, I guess Avengers have had a. Uh, what are they called? Masters of Evil or something? Or mm-hmm. whatever Masters of Evil. So they'll, those guys keep coming back. But Fantastic Four only recently finally got the the, the, Frightful, the Frightful Four. Four. They haven't had – I guess they had Doctor Doom. I don't know. It just seems like the Brotherhood has been around a lot. So Yeah, like like your rival team. Yeah, so if they're gone, yeah, maybe you, would, you could just cancel this series. Like the X-Men 1, mission accomplished. No more evil mutants. But right? yeah, there are. Beep, beep, beep. Um. Xavier says that the identity must not be made public. It can't be seen with the X-Men. And I'm like, okay, so the Fantastic Four, they can <laughs> see you with the X-Men, but not the police. Did I, did I mention on the show that I went back and looked at the Xavier appearance in the issue before the engagement party? Uh-huh. I don't know. He, Reed had only vaguely heard of Professor Xavier. He's like, I've heard of this guy. He has some sort of school up in, oh. up in the northern part of the state. And I'm like... 
how did Xavier get invited to their party? Right. The, the next issue. And then the X-Men are like, hey, this old bald guy's leaving. We're leaving too. Let's just push him out. But we don't know him. No, he's just some guy who needs to be pushed in his wheelchair. Yeah, we'll help him. And we'll all get in the same cab in the same helicopter and fly away. So last page, he's pulling out all the sticky notes. And I'm just like, hey, Mike. <laughs> yeah. You have a blob on your unis. <laughs> God. Unis. Yes. Oh, so they have Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver on there. Ooh, he should be taking those off too, maybe. Or no, I you think still, he will. Still keep track of them. Or are they only keeping track of bad guys? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Matt, uh, here's the other thing. Mastermind did not escape. Mastermind is still a statue. Yeah. We did not see a fate of Mastermind in this issue. They said he's a living statue, just like when the Grey Gargoyle touches people. So I don't know if he's going to get healed or if he's going to get forgotten. <laughs> well, at some point he gets healed because we know he comes back. But Yeah, I mean, he comes back. But like, did they forget that he was a statue? I don't know. <laughs> That's possible. Or just wore off. And remember how Xavier doesn't even use Cerebro? It was just there as a help to Cyclops and others. Uh-huh. And but yet now. now at the end of this issue, it's dissect- detecting something that Xavier doesn't detect. So I was thinking maybe this could be the beginning of Xavier realizing that Cerebro might be more powerful than he is. So he starts changing Cerebro's purpose because it's actually doing more than he thought it could do. But he built Cerebro, right? At least this one. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. built Cerebro. So it's funny when they build things and then don't realize what they can do. You would think that if you build a machine, you would understand what it could do. Yeah. But anyway. Right, sci-fi. I don't know if like it, a, that because in the movie it's Magneto and Beast and Professor X who build this thing, but I guess that's right. never retconned in comics or anything. No, Xavier built it and and Jean Grey helped him calibrate it. Oh, there you go. That makes sense. Any uh, any guesses on who's going to show up next issue? I have. Uh, oh yes, I know. Actually, should I say it out you loud? Do know? I do know. I mean, if you know, you can go ahead and say it. I was going to spoil it, but if you know, it's the Juggernaut, isn't it? It is the Juggernaut. Which is why it's beeping really loud. Although the Juggernaut, also not a mutant. So, Cerebro, fail again. Oh, crap. You're right. Just a powerful dude. So, how come it doesn't beep every time Hulk punches something? Right? It only beeps when it's going to be in their book. It's like the spider sense. It just plot, plot. <laughs> spider sense. And Tony has his tingles. And Daredevil has his tingles. And Thor's hammer has a tingle. And, yep. and X-Men have a Cerebro tingle. <laughs> that's that's the, that's the difference between Marvel and DC. Marvel's all about the tingles. Sometimes my brain tingles. Yeah. All right. Should we go on to the next comic? Speaking of Uru tingling, yes. Journey into Mystery 116. Now, this is the trial of the gods. Yeah. Um, we had a situation where Thor was fighting the Absorbing Man. He found out that Loki had kidnapped Jane Foster. So he goes and confronts Loki. And then Odin shows up and Loki's like, oh my gosh, Thor brought Jane Foster to Asgard. And Thor's like, what? And Odin's like, I can't believe Loki. And yet I must believe Loki because that seems the most natural thing. I don't know who's telling the truth. So y'all are going to have to have the trial of the gods. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I got to go wrap up some stuff at home. Got to go beat up the absorbing man, say goodbye to the Avengers, <laughs> leave Jane Foster sleeping on a couch and go back to Asgard and face the trial of the gods. So that's where we are in the saga of Thor. Everybody caught up? Thor is right. not in the Avengers anymore. Nope. He doesn't know that yet. Well, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know that. They're going to move on or, without him. Or he doesn't care. <laughs> one of the two. 
Written by Imperial Stan Lee. Illustrated by Impregnable Jack Kirby. Um, has anybody tried? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Jack. (laughs) Inked by Implacable Vince Coletta and lettered by Impossible Artie Simic. Odin decrees, let the trial begin. And a guy hits a gong. And basically, uh, we're going to have a race. Um, uh-huh. This is the trial of the gods. It's basically the idea that, you know, the old uh, grudge matches and therefore the, the the gods would favor the victor. That's how they would show their, their desires. However, these people are gods. So I'm not sure <laughs> who's supposed to be showing their favor through their efforts. But well, um, that's how we humans send- got the idea in the first place. Right, right. He's going to send Odin and Thor to Skornheim, and they're going to have to get back to the throne room. Whoever gets back to the throne room, that's the winner. Uh, Whoever gets there first. So he banishes Thor and Odin to Skornheim. Oh, and the other thing is they can't have any weapons to help them. They must get there on their own abilities. Thor turns over his hammer, and the first thing that happens when they get to Skornheim is Loki pulls out a Norn stone. (laughs) This is the first appearance of the Norn stones. The Norns are the fates. And so this is a fate stone. I'm not sure exactly why it's called a Norn stone, except that it can do lots of cool stuff, including PowerPoint presentations of Jane Foster's life back on earth. And Thor watches as the enchantress and the executioner open the doctor's office door to menace Jane Foster. Thor's like, Oh my gosh. I, I'm worried about Jane now. And Loki's like, ha ha, I've distracted you. Skadoosh! And he leaves after bathing Thor in a whole bunch of quicksand. Um, Loki finds a forest of brambles. He uses another, he uses the Nornstone again to turn himself intangible so he can walk through the brambles. Thor gets to the same brambles after getting out of the quicksand. And so he puts his helmet on his fist. And then wraps his arm and his helmet up in his cape to protect himself and starts bashing his way through the brambles, which is pretty great. Um, he gets past the brambles, sees Loki and punches him in the face. And then um, some some sentry of Skornheim shows up and says that he's going to, oh yeah, his name is Yag, invincible slayer of all who intrude Skornheim. So he starts fighting them. Meanwhile, Balder goes to Odin and Odin's like, dude. I'm taking a bath here. Can you like <laughs> knock before you come inside? And Balder's like, oh, sorry, it's important. And I was like, fine. And he puts on his bathrobe and Balder takes um, Odin to the uh, the monitor, the Earth monitor the, with the trouble alert screen and shows him how Jane Foster is being menaced by the Enchantress and the Executioner. And I was like, okay. Obviously, if this woman's in trouble, it's going to distract Thor and give Thor problems. So, Balder, get a horse, go to Earth, protect Jane Foster. So, Balder, he, he heads out. Uh, meanwhile, Loki and Thor are still fighting against Yag. And um, Yag kind of has the upper hand, but Thor eventually does beat him out. Odin, Odin, Loki just kind of, like, sneaks away from the fight. And now he's going through some uh, carnivorous plants. Meanwhile... Uh, Jane Foster has been captured by the Enchantress, the Executioner, out on a street corner. Um, Enchantress is like magicking away the public. And one of the members of the teen brigade is like, oh my gosh, that's the Enchantress and the Executioner. 
I should be important to the Avengers. I'm going to call them and say, hey, it's the Enchantress, the Executioner. So, oh, no, he first he tries to call Rick Jones so that Rick Jones can call the Avengers. Meanwhile, the Avengers are sitting around talking about how they've just got some new members and now they're ready to break up. Oh, that's a spoiler for next episode. Um, and so there's another beep, 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 beep. But Daredevil, who's jumping by, he hears it and thinks maybe Daredevil should help. But no, I've got to go find the Submariner. So that's issue seven going on right now. So Teen Brigade tries to call the Fantastic Four, but there's no answer there either. Instead, there's this sphere who flies up to the Baxter building and um, the Frightful Four are in the sphere. They, they're they like, oh, hope the Fantastic Four haven't come back to their building yet. We left them on that island a month ago. They got blowed up real good. So then Balder the Brave shows up on Earth in a blazing, fiery comet. He goes down and protects um, Jane from the Enchantress, the Executioner. Meanwhile, Thor fights his way through the Carboniferous plants. He fights his way through a, a river of flame. He catches up to Loki just before Loki heads through the dimensional barrier leading to Asgard. Loki, through treachery, has won the race. He gets back to Asgard first. And Thor's like, despite my every effort, he beat me. Loki with his sinister stones, his cunning, his deceit. Loki has won. And that is the end of the trial of the gods. Cool issue. Very cool issue. But kind of a simple concept. I was expecting a little bit more from the trial of the gods than just like a physical match. So that was my one negative on this is like. Odin, you're the worst. You 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 are not sure who's telling the truth, so your idea to figure that out is to do a physical challenge, because that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That did bother me. But then once you get past that part, it's pretty dramatic and fun. Yeah, there's a lot of really good stuff. I did just watch the animated version of this with Keenan recently. Uh-huh. Um, the Marvel Superheroes cartoon at first adapts some pre-Kirby, some of the early Thor stuff, but then they jump over to the stuff that we're, uh, that we're currently covering. Same with the Hulk. They did some early stuff first. Now they're current. The uh, the episodes that we're currently watching are stories that we're also currently covering. So it's sort of in lockstep there. It's weird. Um, so I think we've talked about like you know difference between Asgardians and Asgardian gods and like you know their abilities are gifted to them by Odin or whatever. So like Thor is stronger than your average Asgardian because you know somewhere along the way that was allowed to him and that could also be taken away. I guess. Um. So when it says, like, don't bring your weapons into this maze, part of me is like, I'm cool with Loki having the magic because Thor still has the ability to lift tanks over his head. So, like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, otherwise, Loki's just a dude and Thor is not. Even without his hammer, he's still amazing. Because so, he's the strongest person who, and therefore strong enough to pick up the hammer. Yeah, like, Loki can't punch his way through things and, and beat Yag or whatever unless he has his abilities that were given to him. Or however it works. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, yes, he's cheating because he has the stone, which is definitely an item and not part of his person. But, I don't know. For some reason, I didn't think he was cheating as hard as other people are going to say he's cheating. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I feel like having the Norn Stones there like gives him a, a device mm-hmm. that he can use instead of his own cunning. But I guess his own cunning was sneaking in the Norn Stones. And also, the whole blackmail thing was... Or, uh, you know... I don't even know what the point is other than to make Thor anxious, I guess. But Yeah, it's just a, it's an emotional effect. Like yeah. 
scatter his it actually does not really explicitly affect thor that much we don't get a whole lot of like and thor distracted by the dangers posed to jane foster <laughs> no and in fact when balder goes down to rescue her as odin you know odin's big idea at no point do they contact thor to say she's okay so actually right doesn't help him for them to do that anyway we don't actually – I mentioned that he went to this, uh, protect Jane, but we don't actually get that no. in this issue. No. He faces off with them, but that that conflict does not get resolved in this issue. So lots of cliffhanger things in this because Balder is facing the – Enchantress and Executioner is so many syllables. I we know. We just call them the E and E's or something. <laughs> that panel's like not super big or even all that exciting, but I love that he's just sitting there in like a civilian suit. And he's about to take on two gods who are picking on a nurse. I don't know. I can't wait. He takes off his hat, though. I can't. His hat's <laughs> thrown on the ground. I can't wait for Boulder to fight these two next issue. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Takes off his hat. Boulder is just a name. I do have hair. <laughs> oh, they know who he is. Oh, no. It's Boulder. Yeah. Uh, interesting so that Loki, thinking- like, Loki uh, talks to them and they did what he said, too. Do they have a relationship? Yeah. Well, remember that Enchantress's first mission was on, on, on Loki's bidding. Yeah. But ever since they've gotten to Earth, they've mostly been associated with Zemo. In fact, I, I made a note. It's kind of common with heroes to appear in more than one book simultaneously. But you don't usually see that with villains. Mm-hmm. Usually villains are doing one story at a time. But while the Enchantress and Executioner are here, they are also over in the Avengers 15 and 16. Yeah. So this must take place after that. Exactly. The 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 whole trial has to happen after the events of 16 because of the way things are laid out after they deal with the E&Es. So after they're done with Zemo and probably more than ready to, to help Loki so they can get off Earth, um, they, they decide to help him with this. This whole time we're reading right now is very, like... Uh connected it feels like more so than usual mm-hmm. and i was noticing like you and i are kind of like when we when it comes to our marathoning we're very release order happy but uh yeah but uh i do mark my progress on this cool site that we may have ran out of talked about before called the marvel reading project or something reading order project or something like the that complete marvel reading order the complete marvel, marvel reading, reading order so you can go on there and you can say what you've read and they give you badges and it's kind of just fun so I do that from time to time to see which ones I've read, and I click on them. And I'm noticing lately their order is how you should read it based on their own opinion, I guess. Right. Um, And right now, it used to be fairly in the same order we're reading it. Right now, it is very not. Like, they have, like, chunks of Thor all in a row or or, uh, Hulk all in a row because it's all happening back to back to back. Right. Um, those stories are going back to back. And I mean, if you can read a continuous arc, you would read a continuous arc and then jump over and read another hero. Yeah. And this book in particular, like just those two pages, uh, wherever they are, page 12 and 13, like really sets you or puts this issue, you know, butt up against other ones that one we have covered with Daredevil and then one we haven't covered yet with Avengers. It's kind of interesting. And the Fantastic Four get oh, crossed yeah. over, too, because the Frightful Four. And they actually said – they give a timestamp. They said it was a month ago, or at least it was last month. So I guess theoretically it could have been yesterday because it's the last calendar month. But it's like theoretically <laughs> – some yeah. they got blown up on that island a while back now. Yeah, and we don't know what's happened to them, so that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, weird little totally probably unimportant point, but I just noted it because I thought it was interesting. In Odin's Bath – uh-huh. Balder walks in and Odin complains 
you know, you trespass on our friendship, Balder, none may disturb Odin while he takes his imperial bath. He does not make that protest in the cartoon. Oh. In the cartoon, he's in his bath and Balder walks in and they have the conversation about Loki, but Odin's not like, leave me alone, I'm bathing. Mm. So I don't know what that means, if they just didn't want to draw attention to Odin bathing or or what. Well, when I read it, it sounded super cheeseball. So maybe someone just read that and went like, Odin wouldn't say that. None may disturb Odin while he takes his bath. Oh, God. Are you serious? But at the same time, do you want anybody to walk in on you while you're taking a bath? Also, worst bath ever for the king of Asgard. Like, that thing, you can't even lay down in it. It's crazy. It's lame. It's horrible. I imagine it probably has a a seat or something. So he looks like he's seated. It's it's a barrel. I mean. Oh, wait, 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 y'all. Y'all. Odin is wearing his bathrobe and his giant fuzzy slippers. <laughs> yes. Over his clothes. Yes. His He's boots. He's wearing clothes. He's got boots under, on. Yeah, boots and like a skirt of some sort. Mm-hmm. What is the point of that? He is naked in his in his barrel tub. Right? But then he got dressed and then put a robe on? I don't know. Weird. Um, I don't believe for a second or because he is a very honest and perfect guy. He says he accidentally viewed Earth and noticed that Loki was up to no good. I know he was watching out for Thor's back. And Mm -hmm. so either this is a straight up lie or he figured out a way to do it accidentally without it being an accident. But either way. Yeah, you say a Balder wouldn't lie. So maybe he arranged an accident. Yes. There's there's no way that this was just happenstance. I read that was just like, you go, Balder, because he's your buddy. Or maybe he was just watching the latest episode of The Fugitive. (laughs) Across the TV or the Adams family or something and happened yeah, to see. But he doesn't trust Loki and it's cool that he, uh, you know, keeps tabs on him. Ooh, ooh, Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Doctor Who is doing the web planet right now, which the web planet is one of the coolest looking but dumbest stories in the entire early run. Oh, yeah. Like, I love the costume design with the with the moth people. But oh, God, yeah. It stretches. It's it's a three or four episode plot stretched over six episodes. Oh yeah, and isn't at some point there's like invisible people, or was that a different one? I think it might be a different one. Oh well, they're all running together. I have seen all those, but anyway, Yag reminds me of somebody, and I cannot figure out who, but I don't think it's anybody from Marvel. I don't know what it is. Um, It's just he looks like somebody, like from a movie or something, but drives me kind of crazy. That mask in particular. Yeah, I actually had a similar feeling. I don't, I don't know who it could be. I don't either because I looked it, up Yag to see if like he's been in some comics I've read and he does not exist anywhere else as far as I know. No, this is his one and only. Yeah. Um, we recently read that Loki had sworn not to kill the mortal. Mm-hmm. And now the executioner says that Odin has forbidden the killing of mortals. Yeah, maybe that explains why when he was the executioner of the first appearance, he was just teleporting people to other dimensions and we were making fun of him. Yeah, he wasn't actually executioning any of them. No, he was just like teleporting them or he teleported Jane. He could do that with her here. I do love how New York like all tried to Superman to them and like, you know, stop them from hurting this nurse. That they don't know. Yeah, I had no idea they were they were gods. So it's just like, hey, someone's picking on this woman. That's all good or her defense. Well, and even when he rips the pole out all by himself, they're like, well, there's like 20 of us. We could still take him on. Come on. <laughs> didn't work. but And then we get a, uh, a team brigade. That was kind of interesting. I didn't think we'd see much of them anymore. We, we, we won't. Um, this is kind of a, one of the few anomalies. The team brigade as a concept is basically gone. But like this one guy is like, oh, team brigade. We should definitely do that. It's like, hey, did anybody tell Billy that we broke up the team brigade? 
guys. You Billy's st- still at his ham radio. He's <laughs> still out there, guys. Rick, there's a there's a god out here trying to kill somebody. No one's answering. Um, so yeah, the last panel on page twelve is something we haven't read yet, though I have read it. Something we haven't covered yet, but interesting. Yeah. So these Avengers panels, the new members have to be there. They have to be just off panel because mm-hmm. Cap doesn't get back from killing Zemo until after the new members have been chosen. I, so the only way that all five of these can be in the same room is if also Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch and Hawkeye are there. I could be wrong. We're going to be covering this Avengers issue next episode, but I'm pretty sure this dialogue is in that book. Some of it. Like, too bad we have no word from Thor. I wonder where he can be. That feels familiar to me. Like... We'll get it again. So this will actually be the scene towards the end where they're like wrapping up and saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch just aren't on camera because we don't want to reveal. And Hawkeye. We don't want to reveal the new the new members. Yeah. Um, also, this Daredevil scene, I looked at Daredevil 7. This puts us square on page five. Cool. Now that, page five of Daredevil 7. Now, of course, we cover all these books very slowly and Daredevil is still bi-monthly. But this feels like... This Daredevil story happened 200 years ago, so it's kind of weird that it, <laughs> it's happening right now. But I guess it could happen anytime. It's three episodes ago because Daredevil yeah. comes out early in the month, and we covered it at the beginning of last month's issue. Okay. So for us, it has been a while. Yeah, but that is the latest Daredevil. That's the latest one, and the next one's a month away, so mm-hmm. this is right between the two. All right. And the Fantastic um, Four are dead, apparently. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they got blown up. Um, and... Thor is stuck in this world forever, so this book is canceled. So that's two books that we don't have to cover anymore. I guess. I guess the gods who are supposed to divide this decide this victory. They don't. They don't love Thor as much as Loki. He doesn't have his hat either, or his cape. Wow, he really got torn up on this one. How? Oh, he had his cape, but it got. It got. He used it to beat off the plants with his hat. So that's where it went. Um, oh yeah, they're both like back there. How on earth could Loki have done this straight? You know what I mean? Like this seemed like a really unfair contest. If if right. Loki didn't cheat. So does Odin just assume he's going to cheat? And if so, then why are we even having this contest? Because you already know who the liar is. Or did he give a contest that he totally assumed Thor would be able to win? Oh. Because Thor is, after all, his favorite son. See, that's unfair, too. Poor Loki. Yeah. All right. Poor, well, poor Loki. Other than the whole, I don't like how decisions are made based on physical feats versus logic. It was a cool issue. It was fun. Yeah, I liked this one. This is a very, very fun Thor story. So that takes us to the challenge. The challenge. Tales of Asgard, home of the mighty Norse gods. Story by Stan Lee, penciling Jack Kirby, inking Vince Coletta, lettering Art Artie Simic. And um, King Hymir is having a conference with Loki. Loki is going to help him make a slave out of Thor so that he will be Loki's ally. Right now, Thor is chatting up. King Hymir's sister, the Princess Rinda, who looks like Sif. I honestly thought this would be the first story of Sif, and I was like, oh, it's not Sif. Uh. So King Hymir's like, okay, uh, well, Loki suggests to him, let's give him a challenge. A challenge to, um, you know, make prove that he's worthy to, to be in the presence or friendship of King Hymir. So Thor gets the challenge, he's like, oh, right, it's a challenge. And uh, the princess is like, no, 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 don't accept it. He's like, I am Thor. I will accept any challenge. And um, he has to bring one fish from the dreaded sea of eternal darkness. So he gets in a boat and they row him out to the sea. But in the sea of eternal darkness, the fish are rather large. They are a rather unusual size. But Thor, you know, he's got that hammer and he clubs the fish. 
and knocks it out <laughs> and brings the fish to King Hymer. And King Hymer's like, oh, you got the fish, huh? Um, well, that was just your first challenge. Now you have to take this drinking goblet and break it. If you fail, you become my slave. And Thor's like, break a goblet. I can break a goblet. Oh, wait a second. He holds the goblet. It's made of indestructible metal. How am I going to break it? He throws out a pillar, hits it with his hammer. And the princess is like, oh, no, you're not going to be able to break it. He's like, the only thing I really want to do right now is throw this at the king's face. <laughs> and princess is like, do it. You should do that. That's do a it. good idea. <laughs> throw it at my brother's face. So he throws it at the brother's face. It hits King Hymer in the crown and it shatters. Evidently, there was some sort of like helmet device that was keeping the uh, goblet in unbreakable. And by throwing it at the hat itself, it messed with that connection and it shattered. And now Thor owes nothing to King Hymer. Hymer totally punches Loki for messing up his plan. And Loki's like, I've been punched. It's all Thor's fault. I'm going to get him. The end. This was fun, you know, for a backup, one of the better ones, I think. I liked it. Yeah. I, I like that we're continuing to see Thor, uh, sorry, see Loki gathering allies and gathering bad guys. None of them really matter that much on an individual basis, but. That is one serious helmet, though. Oh, my God. Dude, that hat. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know he's a bad guy. Right. Yikes. Um. Yeah, it does look like Sif. I didn't really think about that. That's funny. But he's hitting on her. So it's like, hey, a Thor girlfriend kind of, sort of. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we can assume that Thor probably has had a lot of ladies. So just one of many. At this point. Uh, the challenge thing is interesting. Like, you can just challenge him and he has to do it. Otherwise, he loses honor. And then it's like, really? That seems like a really painful way to live your life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, dang, now I got to do another challenge. And are there rules to the challenges? Like, are the challenges, do they have to be doable? Or can you give them a challenge that's so impossible that you automatically win, essentially? You know what I mean? Like, right. like the goblet one, for instance. It's indestructible. Well, break it. So then Thor thinks, well, there must be at least something in this room that can break it. And it's like, really? Must there be? What if there's nothing in this room? What if it literally is unbreakable? Is it okay to challenge you to break the unbreakable thing? And do you have to honor that? Or... Or does there have to be a rule that something can break it and you just have to figure out what it is? Yeah. I don't know. It's like know. if you give somebody an impossible challenge, is it really a challenge or is it just playing with I don't know. Yeah. It seems like there should be rules like that. Yeah. There's a really weird caption on that first page. They refer to Thor number 63. And I don't know what Thor number 63 is. Because the last that? time that Loki was at the very top of page oh. one and Thor number 63. Oh, wow. That is weird. We saw how Loki won himself an ally in preparation. That was just last issue. So it's 115. Are they counting uh, they Thor stories, maybe? And like, because the back, between the backups and the uh, fronts, maybe we've read 63 store Thor stories. But that's still a weird way to reference it, because how would anybody else be able to do that? Yeah. I don't think we have enough comics for that. Well, so I'm wondering if the backups count. And if the backups count, have we read 63? But that still seems like way too many. Yeah, I think it's a lot. Because we haven't even read that many Fantastic Four stories. No, we've read 36, 38 yeah. back, uh, Fantastic Four. Even doubling that, that's 70-something. That's but 63, I don't think we've had 63 Thor stories. No, that's just weird. Wow. I didn't even notice that. And there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> but Wesley, what about the FOUSs? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they exist. <laughs> uh, that wasn't a very hard challenge, though. Like, Thor can't beat a big fish. Eh. Come on, Loki. Right. 
I love that whole and business. I, I, oh my god! Like if I kill him, yeah, we're all good. Like, like I can't, she's like, I, I can't beat his challenge, so I'll just kill him, and then I'd not be holding to his challenge anymore. Okay, that's cool. And she's like, yeah, totally kill my brother, totally do that. He's like, yet yeah, I might break the heart of the fair princess Rinda. No, you won't. I'm cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh, kind of. He's, I actually really hate him, and he smells bad. Yeah, he's horrible. I love that, like, his intention literally is to just throw this cup so hard that the dude's head falls off, and then it turns out that his crown was the catalyst that breaks it, and it's, like, lucky for him, I guess. But, yeah, Thor straight up wanted to just murder this guy. Yeah, he didn't, yeah, he did. He didn't know. He didn't know it would break. He thought the guy would just die. That's kind of funny. Shall we see what our Asgardian advisor has to say? Yeah, it's fake. It's a fake. It's a fake. Gene, Gene, the podcasting machine over at at hammer underscore strikes from the hammer strikes podcast on Twitter. Uh, he is a worshiper of the Norse gods and he contributes every time we talk about the tales of Asgard. He says, are you both sitting down? I'm sitting down. Are you sitting down? I'm sitting usually. Okay, good. Because this is actually a story from the lore. What? Wow. Well, oh. sort of. Hey, close enough. Sort of is good. This is a retelling of Thor's and Tyr's journey to the home of Tyr's father in order to get a cauldron large enough for Aegir to brew mead in for all the gods. Okay. Hymir is, in fact, the name of Tyr's father, and it is his unnamed mother that warns the pair about the unbreakable goblet. She actually told Thor to throw it at Hymir's unnaturally large head. Wow. He does have a yeah. large head, although it's more helmet than head, but he does still have a large head also. Well, maybe there's just a whole lot of head under oh, there. Oh, there could be, yeah. Maybe that's why it's maybe so big. Maybe this is actually just like a, a skull cap. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's his real blonde hair coming out the back of it. I don't know. Wow. One thing that I wish they had included was the fact that the fishing trip resulted in Thor hooking not just a sea monster, but the Midgard serpent. Oh, wow. And Hymir was so panicked at this that he cut the line before Thor could strike a fatal blow. Just take a look at the image of that trip on this post, and you can see why Hymir would get scared. Mm -hmm. And he links this site called Heathen Trek, which maybe I can open. Um... And maybe we can put this in the uh, in the show notes. Yeah. Um, let me give you the link on Skype. Okay, there's there's the link. Okay, so this is a picture of depicting the actual thing or something. Um, if you if you scroll down just a little bit, there's a really cool image. Oh wow! Of the boat and the water. Look at that monster underneath Good that wave. Good lord! See, it's a fantastic painting. Thor can totally beat Hulk. Give me a break. <laughs> Look at that thing. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Thor only gets punched by Hulk if Hulk caps him unawares. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Anyway, was there more? Uh, he says, no, Loki wasn't the original, but except for swapping him for Tyr and omitting the Midgard servant, this is a pretty faithful retelling of the original. Okay. I like, well, I did so, enjoy yeah. it. I thought, it, of, of you know, usually these backup stories are just kind of ho-hum, but this one was kind of fun. I liked it. Yeah. And knowing that it's a, a actual story, I think elevates it a bit. So, by the way, I we've glossed over a bunch of these but right now during all these books we don't talk about ads a lot but at the end of all these books each of the main stars of the book are holding up a mary marvel marching society uh uh, uh thing and having them all join and i think the pictures are kind of cool i might post them because yeah you know, this one has thor and then there's a daredevil one and a captain america one and an iron man one and 
It's like kind of a cool collection. And the Mary Marvel Marching Society is is so memorable, one for the name and uh-huh. the song and the fact that it was the first big fan club, but it actually doesn't last that long. No, <laughs> I don't think it really goes anywhere. It's just kind of a funny, no. funny thing to remember. <laughs> You get your prizes when you first subscribe. I'm not sure that anything else ever happened with it. But except for like the the legacy of calling Marvel fans Merry Marchers and everything. Wow. X-Men and Thor must have been pretty dense and fun because I feel like we've talked about three comics already, but we totally haven't, have we? Nope. We still have. It's time to dive into our third issue. Oh, my gosh. So let's do that then, if you're ready. Uh, I am ready. Tales to Astonish. Tales to Astonish number 68. Which has Giant Man and the Hulk. Giant Man first. It's called Peril from the Long Dead Past. Return. Featuring the return of an almost forgotten villain. Almost? Okay. Stupefying script by Stan Lee. Stereophonic art by Bob Powell. Stultifying inking by Vince Coletta. And schizophrenic lettering. Sure. Schizophrenic lettering by Sam Rosen. Um, We start with Giant Man practicing being giant. At that same cabin that I'm pretty sure both the Frightful Four and the Fantastic Four hang out at all the time. Uh, and a plane's going to run him right into him. And it does. Like, it's on purpose almost. And he, like, holds his hand up and it hits him in the arm. And he, and then as he's falling over, the pilot just jumps out. And, and Giant Man's like, oh, even though I'm hurt and this guy just hit me, I'm going to try and save him. So he jumps to catch him and he hits his head in a tree and he's knocked out. The pilot gets up and he's like, I hate you, giant man. I'm going to take this rock and smash you in the face. But uh, you're knocked out at 30 feet tall, so this rock isn't going to do anything. I'm just going to leave. Um, giant man wakes up. The guy's gone. The plane's still there. He's like, what the heck was that all about? That's so weird. Anyway, he goes back home. Guess what, guys? Turns out there's been some long-lasting effects from a story that didn't seem all that important. Because at some point, and I don't even remember how... Oh, yeah, like some dude or something created something that was he was able to steal powers or whatever, and he stole Ant-Man's ability to shrink. And we all, I at least, thought that was just a temporary thing. Turns out it's not. Ant-Man still can't shrink. So he's working on the growing thing more. Instead of just being 12 feet tall, he can now make it to about 30 um, and still be okay. Uh, He tries for 50 and passes out. He barely manages to shrink back to normal size before he falls on the wasp. Um, so he decides, you know what? 30 is going to be my baby. From now on, it's 30 or nothing. Either I'm normal size or I'm 30. And he readjusts his cybernetic helmet accordingly. Meanwhile, we cut to the dude in the plane. Guess what, everybody? It's um, the top. What's his name? Whirlwind top? Something the hu- like that. The human top. The human top. See, he's so forgettable that I forgot already. Um, and he's like really upset because he wants to beat giant man you know what the best way to beat giant man is if not only could he spin what if he could fly too because that somehow makes it better so he re- he throws away his old costume his old green costume he gets out a new villain green costume uh and it's got like i don't know what do you call those things like it's got like tarps under his arms so now when he stretches his arms out he's got like glidery batman begins stuff uh yeah cut back to hank pym in his secret identity is Hank Pym t- telling uh, a bunch of uh, construction people to readjust uh, the lab for 30-foot-tall people. And then he goes back, <laughs> comes back in his giant man like, hey, everybody, I don't know where Hank Pym went, but I also live here, and I'll help you. So he's helping them with the construction. Um, Wasp scores herself 
or no, he gives the wasp a wasp because he, I think like last issue he gave her a bee or something, non-theme. Um, so she plays with that or rides around with that. Um, while all this is happening, some dude in a horrible fake beard and sunglasses and French um, beanie thingy, he's like, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. And the cop security guy's like, okay, cool. We don't need to check your idea. Just go on in. So they go on in um, and only for the wasp to go, um, that's the human top. And at which point... Yes, it is. And he reveals himself and they get into a fight and they swirl around. Um, the top now can fly and he knocks basically – no, he doesn't knock anything. He does knock Giant Man a little bit, but mostly he tries to fly out of the building. Giant Man tries to jump out of the window after him and uh, doesn't quite make it. And he ends up um, hanging off the window – open window i don't think he's giant at this point i'm not really sure it's hard to tell by the art um and the wasp is trying to help him and as she's trying to help him the human top whizzes by in his cyclonic form and grabs her and flies away and giant man freaks out and turns okay so he was normal size because now he turns this 30 feet and starts running after her and that's the end to be continued kids so the wasp is taken yeah and um it's a little bit weird because this human top was actually our very first Marvel cliffhanger was mm. a giant man story where he first got giant and was clumsily trying to stop the human top and couldn't do it because the human top was just so dang fast. And remember the thing where like he was trying to like practice with a top toy <laughs> right. and, and get faster and faster. And, and the wasp was like, I don't have the heart to tell him that it's only at half speed yeah. and he's still losing. How is he going to possibly win? So that was back around issue 50. Yeah, but see, in that particular case, the human tops was human top was just robbing banks and getting away. And Giant Man was unable to catch him, right? Mm-hmm. But at no point did I ever think like the human top could turn around and go mano a mano with Giant Man and it would be a problem for Giant Man. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. So it was weird in this issue that the human top's like, oh, if only I could beat him physically. I know, I'll add flight. And then I'm going to go in there and just beat him up because that's my entire plan because I hate him so bad now. And I was just thinking like, yeah, I don't know if that's really going to work, but I guess his new plan. His whole plan was to get her. Yeah, his (laughs) new plan is to kidnap the wasp. I don't know if that was his original plan or just something he did on the fly, but hey, the fly. Anyway. (laughs) And I'm really curious. There is a certain subplot that I don't know if we'll ever actually get to the development of. Um, Way down, not, not too way. But just a little bit way down the road, the human top and his civilian guys becomes the chauffeur of the Pims, specifically of Janet Van Dyne. Uh huh. And and he has a crush on her. Uh. So he is driving her around as a way of like creeping into her life and just like being near her because he has a thing for her. And you know, you could almost say that maybe this is the beginning of that. Oh. Like he like starts like he kidnaps her and maybe while he has her kidnapped he's like oh I I I I want to keep her and you know some other skeevy thing as as skeevy guys do does she know that he's the human top when he's driving her around no no because like they don't really you know how does with mass supervillains they don't really picture their faces that much. he doesn't have a mask um he doesn't now but he did before and he will again okay so like I don't think they ever really learn and- his face it's like. That Mysterio story in Spider-Man recently, Spider-Man immediately recognized him, but they don't, they don't do that. With well, what's guy. crazy is the Wasp outs him in his French disguise by recognizing his voice. So you'd still think she'd know 
that her driver was the human top. But oh, you're right. Anyway, bad canon people. Continuity. I mean, um, I think you lied to me. By the way, I think that Mike Boyles lied to us. Yeah, is he? Because I'm. I haven't double checked, but I'm really positive that he said this is going to be a Jack Kirby issue. He says that I remember we looked up the cover credits and it was supposed to be Jack Kirby. But now I'm not even certain if that's true. Like, I think maybe the bottom half is, but not the top half. Okay, I'm looking at the website. It says Penciler Jack Kirby. So okay, he has a mistake in his website that led me to the wrong conclusion. Well, it's Bob Powell, who is who mm-hmm. is okay. But I do think that page three top panel where giant man is giant and passed out, which they also then aped on the cover, is pretty dang cool. Yes. Yeah, that's a pretty great image. Oh, they statted that. That is the exact same uh, image. It on is, the cover. except the guy now is holding the boulder to kill him. Yeah, yeah, they moved the guy over, but the actual drawing of Giant Man is mm-hmm. identical yeah. on the yeah. cover. But it's cool. Um, actually, this whole opening bit is cool with the plane crashing into him and then this mysterious guy trying to kill him with a rock. I don't know. I liked all that. That was fun. Um, yeah, it's almost, I was it's almost really like surprised a that the whole I can't shrink thing is permanent. Yes, that was unexpected from another issue. The human top is just straight up murderous. Like he is going to kill Giant Man. He wants to, all because he was imprisoned. Although we don't know how he got out. No, we don't. And they said it was going to be a return of a long dead villain. So I was thinking, could be Egghead. Oh, because I forgot the last time we saw him was when Giant Man and the Hulk did their thing. Because he was like the mastermind behind all that, right? Oh, that's right. In the in the in the issue right before the Hulk joined. And then there was a big bomb, and we thought he died. And he doesn't die, and he says why. And now I can't remember, because who cares? But That's right. Uh, what did he say? But I saved myself by taking shelter inside a deep cave. I remained there in safety till the low-yield fallout had passed. It sounds like the Wolverine. Yeah, I was going to say. He, how long was he there? Weeks? Months? year? I don't know. Interesting. No wonder he's mad. So tonight, so it's on the mind. No wonder he's mad, because now he's been like thinking about them for a week as he had to sit there in a cave. Oh. With no food. Yeah. So, no comics. So, did you think the whole, like, I can't shrink anymore thing was going to be permanent? Because I didn't. No, honestly, I didn't. I figured he was going to figure that out. But this does begin, like, his size changing drama. So, like, when he joins the Avengers, one of the things they do is, like, give him size changing problems. That kind of starts here with 35 feet being his only other size. Mm-hmm. Also, he does no longer change size instantaneously. Oh. It literally takes a minute or two yeah. for him to change sizes. There's one part where it's like over the course of several panels, he's slowly getting bigger. I'm like, that's weird. That's that's weak sauce because that's one of his cool things is he can change back and forth really fast. Yeah, just bam, he's big. Bam, he's small. Yeah, he was doing that in the Avengers when he fought people. It was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the 11, uh, I think it's page 11 and 12. Uh-huh. He grabs the window. And he's like, I'm starting to get bigger now. I can save myself, but you're in danger. Yeah. Oh, so that's why he's kind of normal size hanging on the, the the wall. I forgot about that whole it takes forever part. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I do but like th- that he's going 30 feet now instead of 12 because 12 always seemed like kind of not that interesting. Yeah, I was thinking that it's it's 35, but oh. I was thinking that, that that is definitely giant. 12 feet tall is like a really big man. <laughs> 35 feet is definitely a giant man. 12 feet is like an advanced basketball player these days. So it's not, <laughs> it's not that exciting. But now he can hold a guy in his hand, you know? I mean, the tallest human has gotten to like nine feet tall, right. which is really, really freaking tall. But at the same time, 
it does happen. 12 feet tall is only a little bit bigger than that. Yeah. Although those nine foot tall guys are usually crippled by the time yeah. they get that high and he's not. So that's at least a little more interesting. But when I think of giant man, I think of a guy who can pick up a regular sized person in his hand and like toss him around, you know? That's what you think of when you think of a giant, right? Like Jack of the Beanstalk. Yeah. That's just slightly taller. But yeah, that's about all I have on this issue. It's, yeah. it, you know, we're ending the series on a two-parter, which I think is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, now that Bob Powell is doing this chapter, I kind of hope he does the next chapter. We have Jack Kirby on the Hulk. Okay, so speaking of the Hulk, you want to go to that? I'm ready for Hulk. All right, back from the dead, exclamation point. Story and art by Marvel's modern masters, Stanley and Jack Kirby, inking by Mickey DeMeo and lettering by Artie Simek. Last we saw... The uh, Bruce Banner and the Talbot were falling on a, off a cliff and they were going to die. Of course, anytime that happens to Bruce Banner, he panics and turns into the Hulk. So he turns into the Hulk and the Hulk in his uh, ultimately deep down way inside nice guy spirit grabs Talbot while he's saving himself. Um, he doesn't know who Talbot is though. So he's like, speak, wake up, talk to Hulk. And But Talbot's unconscious because I can't remember what was knocked him off in the first place, like a bomb or something. But well, anyway, they were falling down a cliff. They were falling down a cliff, but oh, just because it broke. But yeah. for some reason that made Talbot go unconscious, maybe because the fall was really fast and far. So it blacked him out. But anyway, he's not talking. So Hulk just leaves him there because he doesn't know who he is. And Hulk's like, Hulk wants to go home and basically knows how, which we I think we talked about like last time. Like that's one of his powers is he can go home. So we, there's pictures of him like jumping from mountain to mountain. He's like leaping alongside, you know, jetliners and stuff. It's kind of cool. Meanwhile, cut to the leader who has turned – remember those big uh, – um, um, Spongy robot things. Humanoids. Humanoids. Well, now he's made them really tiny. So he has a new plan. He wants to – he is – even though his intelligence has been multiplied by hundreds, he can't figure out how to invent this thing that uh, Bruce Banner has made called the uh, Absorbitron, I think. I also mm-hmm. think it doesn't tell us what the Absorbitron does ever, but I hope it absorbs something. But anyway. I really hope so. <laughs> or maybe maybe it repels things and they call it the Absorbitron just to throw it off the track. But anyway, uh, he wants to steal that. So he's got his little little bendy guys all microscopic now and he's going to do that. Hulk comes back to the base. He lumbers onto a couch, takes a nap. Turns to Bruce Banner. When Bruce Banner wakes up, there's Thunderbolt Ross. There's Betty. There's an entire army pointing guns. Everybody's shouting, he's a traitor. It's like, no, I'm not a traitor. Uh, I believe it is uh, uh, the guy that we left there sleeping, isn't it? What's his name? Talbot? Major Talbot? Yeah. Talbot is somehow now fine. He made it back, even though they were in enemy territory in a cave sleep. Uh, He made it back also. He's at the president's office. And the thing is, if we all recall, that there's two people in the world besides Bruce Banner who know about Bruce Banner and the Hulk. And that's Rick Jones and the president that Rick Jones told. So the president knows that Bruce Banner is not a traitor. So he basically is like, listen, we're going to move. We're going to test the Absorbitron and we want you to use Banner. And and Talbot's like, are you serious? He's totally a traitor. No, no, trust me. Just use him. Okay. So... That starts happening. They uh, release him from prison. Rick Jones is there because he has that magical teleporter between Avengers and the Hulk. He's in jail with Bruce Banner. Um, Talbot, like, uh, pokes at him and tells him what a horrible traitor he is. This makes Bruce really excited. At one point, he almost turns the Hulk in prison in front of everybody. But luckily, they had a tranquilizer shot where Rick has one ready to go at all times and gives it to his good friend. So that knocks him out. Uh, Then they find out 
that he's being released from prison so that he can help them with the Absorbatron. So they go over there by helicopter. They notice all these weird pink things all over the ground, but just go, huh, okay, anyway. And they go underground to uh, test the Absorbatrons. And while they're underground, all those things grow up to big size. Uh, Talbot hears disturbance up above ground, so he goes up there to check it out. And he gets, um, you know, bamboozled by all of them. They all, like, jump on him and start punching him. He tries to fight his way out, but they make their way in and they attack Bruce Banner and they dogpile on him. And all of a sudden that dogpile gets thrown aside because Bruce Banner is gone and the Hulk takes his place. The Hulk starts fighting them. Um, They hug him and emit a gas. I guess the leader can see through their eyes, although he did not see the transformation, I assume, but he can see through their eyes. So he has them emit a gas to make the Hulk fall asleep and then he steals him and that's the end for now i guess he was looking at the wrong tv screen (laughs) well to be fair bruce banner does get covered to the point where you can't see him so maybe the leader isn't a hundred times smarter than well well i went i went to go see a stage musical version of the silence of the lambs recently okay interesting yeah it's 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 more of a satire of the silence of the lambs, like a parody of the silence of the lambs Mm. more than an actual direct adaptation, Mm -hmm. but it's still the same story. It's just with, um, which, you know, silence of the lambs, right? (laughs) Sure. Right. Yeah. Jokes. Funny. um, It's, it really was very hilarious, but at the one part where the one guy we knew who was in the play, who was playing, um, whatever the, the, um, Buffalo Bill, that's his name. He was playing Buffalo Bill. The one Uh part where he, like, opens his robe and, like, shows off how he's going to be a woman and he's got everything tucked Uh away. He did that on stage. I was looking at another part of the stage. And everyone starts laughing. And I'm like, oh, no, I missed something really funny. Oh, well, we'll just keep on watching the show. And um, Bess told me later, you know, you missed missed seeing, like, a whole lot more of Gary than we ever thought we would see. Yeah. Uh, maybe so the maybe leader, the leader yeah, did he that. Looking, he was busy. He was looking at the chorus line instead he's of like, at, the, at the main star. Well, he's like, he's like, okay, my pink humanoid things can easily beat this scientist. Let me go refill yes. my Dorito bowl and I'll come back. And, oh my gosh, the Hulk is there. Where did he come from? I went to go get that Mountain Dew out of the fridge. Boy, Code Red yes. is really good. Even though I love green. <laughs> it's all Mountain Dew. So really it's all green. It's just pretending to be red. Uh I actually do think Code Red is the best one, and I don't care about any oh. of the other ones for some reason. But that's just me. I actually had Diet for the first time recently uh, and rather enjoyed it. Oh, oh! I should try that because yeah, Diet is non, important. Non, non-sugary stuff. Because I'll, I'll drink Mountain Dew mm-hmm. throwback like it's candy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what else to say. Like, uh, uh, well, We got uh, kind of grumpy Gus. Um, wait, I'm looking at the wrong one. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is... Dave, uh, Major Talbot is unconscious and Hulk's uh-huh. like trying to wake him up. And I guess it's like, I poked it. It's dead. I'm leaving. Which I thought was funny. Yeah. I like that. That made me just think like, because this is basically Kirby having to deal with whatever mm-hmm. uh, Ditko left him. So these two pages are just kind of like, okay. And then he turns to the Hulk and he leaves the Talbot there and he's gone. You know, let's get on to what I want to do. But it was fun. But yeah, I mean, it's at the same time. It's like, was it really much of a. A cliffhanger if you just right. know he's going to turn to the Hulk and 
Yeah, I mean, it's it, no I, I also felt like this is kind of the hulkiest Hulk story we've had so far. It felt very like like so many of the yeah. classic tropes are there now. We've finally figured out the stupid transformations. Uh huh. He actually rests and turns to Bruce right. Banner instead of getting excited. There's a bit that's Banner. almost lifted from the first issue on page four, the three panel transition back to Bruce. Like that same mm-hmm. transition is in the first issue. Yeah, yeah, it's like the same guy who drew it. Although, okay, yeah. page three. This is the second time mm-hmm. that the Hulk has gone the wrong way across the Pacific in order to get home. <laughs> it says he heads west across the Pacific uh-huh. to well. the United States. And no, that's well. not how Earth works. Maybe he just goes the long way. It is it round. It would be across the Pacific. It'd be across <laughs> Asia and Europe and Atlantic Oceans. Or maybe across Africa if you didn't veer north. Um, not across yeah. the Pacific. It's weird they keep talking about the Pacific when they're all from New York anyway. Like, why we, are they they're so in, They're up in on East that? Asia, so it's faster to go. No, I mean, the people making this, it's not like we're, we're making this in California uh, and we keep oh, screwing right, up by right. saying Pacific. But, uh, uh, the only yeah. other thing I had written down is Look, that an Army Major reporting directly uh-huh. to the president seems a little unusual. And how did he get there? That kind of bugged yeah, me a little, says, but whatever. Days later, having been rescued in the Orient by the Air Force, Major Glenn Talbot has granted a special audience. Oh, okay. Well, there yeah, that's you go. how you guess. But I like, guess. it still does seem to kind of just, like you said, Kirby wraps up Ditko's plot lines and then decides to do his next choice of thing with with the ideas currently in play. And what does the Absorbatron do? I want to know. Yeah. Kirby. Because because part of me is chronicling the scientists' ability to do things. And I want to see how far away from their original concept okay. they get. Like, a, like you know, Bruce Banner made bombs. That, that's that pretty was his thing. You know? So so now now he's – you could argue that, of course, he starts to become a gamma – he was making a gamma bomb to begin with, but now he's really going to be a gamma expert because of his condition. But what is the Absorbatron? Is that something completely different? Is he out of his element? Is he that kind of intelligent? Is he Hank Pym, Tony Stark intelligent? Or is it another gamma-like does the, thing? Does it absorb the gammas? Or something. Maybe it absorbs the gammas. But if that's the case, what does the army care about it? I don't know. Oh, um, Bruce Banner says to Rick Jones, you left the Avengers again to come and deal with all of this. Yeah. And it's just like like you said, yeah. Rick Jones is teleporting back and it forth. Is, he just really must be because I don't know how this keeps happening. Because literally in the next Avengers comic we cover, Cap mm-hmm. says the same thing back. You left the and Hulk for what to be it's with worth, me. Rick is <laughs> like, almost what? done with Cap and the Avengers. Like he's almost done with that comic. Yeah, I like the bit where he almost changes in front of them. I like that half changed face. And it's drawing. red. That was it looks like neat. he's about to transform. It's all tense and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. Uh, but otherwise, I don't know. It's okay. I'm tired of these humanoid things. And let's let's do something. Yeah, yeah. We 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 have everything in play. The the tropes are there. The stories are ready. We usually like an actual plot that's more mm-hmm. engrossing than all of this stuff. With and I wanted the leader's first story to be more like engaging, but it's it's kind of draggy. He's just kind of behind the scenes, although it does seem like they're setting it up for the leader and Hulk to be in the same room finally. Yeah, so that might be interesting. But but um yeah, and this that's was it. the penultimate Giant Man story. We have one more Giant Man story. Ooh, they're gonna end it with the top. Yep. Huh? Human kind of ending it on the bottom, but you know that's okay. The art's good and the dynamics are good. <laughs> it's all right, yeah. 
Uh, let's say 86 oh, these. Back to oh, the beginning of the episode. Callbacks. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what do we do now? It's not, it's the, not the, end, the, end the end of the week. We don't have to what do was that. the favorite of this week? Uh, favorite of this week was... I'll say mm-hmm. Thor, I think. I liked Thor. That was fun. X-Men was cool, too, but Thor had two yeah, stories I liked. Yeah, I'll probably put Thor on top of this week, too. All right. So yeah, I do my assignments yeah, what's now? Our, what's our Should homework? we do assignments? All right. Homework is going to be Sergeant Fury number 18, Somebody uh, Dies. Strange Tales number 133, where Human Torch and Thing fight some toys. Who knows from who? And Doctor Strange continues his quest to not be killed by Mordo. And Avengers number 16. Cap is assembling what looks to be maybe new Avengers. What? A new lineup starts today. So, spectacular special issue. Mm-hmm. Definitely have to read that one. Uh, so, that's next episode. For I those want to who say some along. hellos to the people who are following us on the Twitters. We have Spider-Man Daily at Spider-Man Files. We have Reggie Yang at maybe Reggie. Huh? Reggie underscore Yang. Gaming, comics, Pokemon, D&D. <laughs> Go Hawks. We have Stacy Franklin at the Real Stacy F. New to Twitter, not so new to the grind. We have Scott Krokoff, Confessional and Compelling Americana. Click below for the At Music Newsweb premiere by new single Groundhog. We have Mike Rokotansky, Rokotansky at Mad Mike 613, Comics and Fun Amidst the Wasteland. We have Born Loser USA, Comics No Context at Born Loser USA. All images taken from comic books in my collection. Comic books are for everyone. So you should like to post images out of context. And finally, Mr. Doctor at Max underscore Jeebus 217. He's just some guy, you know, artist, comics, music enthusiast, mm. fighter of evil and what have you. If I blocked you, it's because you're an sounds able. like Sounds yeah. like some guy. So they're following us over on Twitter. We always appreciate retweets and uh, talking us up on the Twitters to tell other people about us. And uh, if they wanted to find us, where could they go, Mike? Go to makearsmarvel.com. There you will find the links to our Twitter and Facebook. I kind of feel like we should just have Twitter, but maybe we can discuss that later. Um, For now, we're also on Facebook. And you can find all the links to Stitcher and iTunes and Google Play and all the ways you can play us on your favorite device to play. Or you can just open up your favorite app and hopefully type in Make Ours Marvel and find us. If that doesn't work, though, you can contact us, podcast at Make Ours Marvel, or again, use the website. There's a form on there. Send us a letter. Uh, what you think of the show. We often read those in special episodes every once in a while. We're due for another one pretty soon. So get your letters All in. All right. And um, I can be found at John Reads Comics on Twitter. My other shows are there at All the Pouches for Image Comics, at TFUK Podcast for Transformers Comics and Cartoons, at Let's Talk Wanda for a tweet blog about the Scarlet Witch because she was important in this issue, and she has another issue coming up next episode that is very important for her. So you can go check out the tweet blog to see some more detailed thoughts on her character beats. And uh, yeah, do please uh, retweet and share and all that other fun stuff. And... um, I guess that's our episode. That's it. Mastermind. So until the Toad becomes the leader of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, make ours marvel. marvel.